Welcome to the Stories of Light podcast. Are you searching for God-centered mentors in the network marketing industry? Are you striving for success or seeking to serve the kingdom? Do you want to build this business his way? You're in luck, friend. I'm Heather, and I'm excited to introduce you to some of the most successful God-centered leaders in the industry who are willing to share their wisdom and pour into you. Get excited for today's interview. So today is an incredibly special day for me to be able to introduce y'all to somebody who's probably the most important person alive in my life right now. And I just am so excited for y'all to meet my beautiful grandmama, Nell Rockmore, Nell Patton Rockmore, I should say, because she just has been a light to so many people in her 97 years <laughs> and still has so much more to give and more to share with us. But I just wanted to share a little bit of the wisdom that she's imparted to me through some of the stories and lessons that she even shared at a commencement speech where she was asked by the Abraham Baldwin Agricultural College to do the commencement speech. So I'm going to share a little bit of that. And Grandmama, it just means the world that you would take the time to be with me today and to share a little bit of what's on your heart. It's my honor. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, my Gigi, as we we call her, so great Grandmama, she's a mom to five kids. (laughs) She is a grandmama to how many? 11. 11. That's right. And then of course, I think all of us have got married and had kids. So how many great grandkids now? I can't I keep counting. <laughs> I think it's about 23. 23 great grandkids. That's unbelievable. So our little tribe has just grown from, you know, just grandmama, granddaddy, and he passed away. What year was that, Grandmama, when Granddaddy passed away? In 97. 97. Okay, that's what I was saying, 97. But the two of them, they have just left such an amazing legacy on this family that's now, again, growing so rapidly, we honestly can't keep up. (laughs) But they've done more than that. They have just absolutely transformed this little tiny town where I'm visiting with her today. It's called Lakeland, Georgia. And Grandmama literally has written two books about this beautiful town. (laughs) One is called Roots, Rocks, and Recollections, which is a little bit based around the history of our family. And Grandmama's great-great-grandparents were actually the very first people to settle in this town, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what is Lanier County? They were the first two people other than Indians to be here when the county was... Wow. Wow. Not when the county was created, but the land that became Lanier County. They were the first two settlers in that. Wow. Wow. That is just really, really amazing. And so she has also written a book called Lanier County, a history, or Lanier County, the land and its people. That's right. Good. A plus. A plus. (laughs) Lanier County, the land and its people. And it's just really cool because she's also done a play here. She plays the violin and has played the violin in her church, her little small church here for since you were little, right? Since she since that was ten, red. Ten. Wow. And she's just really amazing. But she has recorded albums, but over ten, you said, right? Ten or twelve albums of playing the violin with different accompaniments and 
duets, which is really, really amazing. So it's only fitting that now she's going to have a podcast, <laughs> a podcast episode. And anybody that knows her well, certainly know that this is just the perfect way to kind of share her story and her wisdom a little bit. So before we get into some of the questions, I wanted to share something that really inspired me and was the inspiration for this podcast. And that was going back to that speech, the commencement speech that, that grandmama did for the Abraham Baldwin Agricultural College, ABAC. That's what it's known as. It's ABAC. What town is that in? Is it in Tifton? Tifton. It's in Tifton, Georgia, which is South Georgia, an agricultural center here. Mm-hmm. Or no, your grandfather started the local general store here, right, R.L.? Patton and Sons, that was your your granddad, right? And then your dad, Lawson, Mm -hmm. who is the namesake of my daughter, he was the one that started Patton Seed Company, right? It all evolved from my granddaddy, R.L. Patton. Mm -hmm. The Patton name just kept going with the business, even though the business Mm -hmm. changed drastically through the years. Definitely. And, and of course, I think that shifting of the business model from that general store to selling the seed, which then your husband, my grandfather, Bill Rockmore, turned into a grass business, the largest sod business in the Southeast, if not right in the South, would you say? Which then turned into golf courses in the Atlanta area, which my mama Lee Rockmore Burton, she ran for many, many years. And so I think from a business perspective, no doubt over the many years, this family has done so much. And the coolest part about grandmama is she's been right there, especially when she, when my grandfather was alive, she was right there kind of in the supporting role of keeping everybody fed, but she was the local postmaster. She was, gosh, what all, you did so much. You've had many, many jobs here in Lakeland, right? Well, first taught school when I got out of college. And then, let me get the sequence right. I was clerk of the draft board Mm -hmm. and worked at Moody Air Force Base Medical Secretary. Interesting. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And... That's about it. I went back to school teaching later for a couple of years. I started having children, so that would and mm-hmm. have some hiatuses in there that <laughs> would interrupt my school teaching. But it's been an interesting life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it has. It's been pretty amazing to watch just the time that I've been here, but you were born in 1924, right? Right. 1924. Wow. (laughs) 97 years old. Well, so obviously my grandmama, she has learned some amazing lessons. And I just think it's really valuable for me to read that commencement speech because it's just, it's so powerful. And then of course, I'd love for you to elaborate a little bit more on that, Gigi, but it's lessons I have learned through the years. And she says, so Dr. Bridges is who invited you, right, to speak. Mm-hmm. And did you speak this speech in person? I know I was not able to be there, but did you? Oh, yeah. Say, oh, you said this all from stage, right? Uh-huh. That's amazing. <laughs> and what year was this? It must have been about six years ago. I could be off a year or two. <laughs> I could look it up and share you later. But you were in your 90s. I know that. Early, early 90s, which is pretty crazy. 
And so she said, this is what she shared. She said, through the years, I have learned a few valuable lessons that I want to share with you. Hopefully, your graduating students might find them helpful in starting out your adult life. I was born in 1924 in Milltown before it became Lakeland. As a child, I was painfully shy, which is really hard to believe. (laughs) As a teenager, I was still very shy, especially with boys. Had it not been for a boy named Bill Rockmore, I probably would have ended up an old maid. Bill and I had a blessed marriage, although it was not perfect, as no marriage ever is. (laughs) And we added considerably to the population of Georgia and South Carolina. (laughs) Yes, you did. So music has always been an important element of my life. My mother started me in piano lessons when I was about six years old. When I was 10, she decided I should learn to play the violin. At age 12, you played at your first wedding, which you played at our wedding too. I remember that. It was so sweet. And about 13, I played at your, uh, my second wedding. And it says, is it Ellen, Ellen Jones, Ellen A? Ellen, how do you say it? Eileen. 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 What a beautiful name. Jones. Eileen Jones and Monroe Atkinson. 65 years later, I played at Monroe's funeral. My goodness. I'm still playing at church every Sunday and occasionally at weddings and funerals. How many weddings do you think you've? I have no idea. No idea. <laughs> Countless, right? <laughs> many, many. Many, many. Oh, my goodness. And then, of course, COVID's thrown a big wrench into things. I know you hadn't been able to. That was, I remember that was your biggest frustration with COVID is when they wouldn't let you back in that church to play the violin, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So she said, I have enjoyed attending the ABAC concert band performances for the past several years and am impressed with the quality of your music program. I hope that those of you who have performed in the various ABAC musical events will keep your talent alive throughout your year. Music provides a constant joy to your everyday existence. I'd love to talk a little bit about that with music and just how you have been drawn to that from an early age and maybe how that plays into your faith and worship in the Lord. I'm sure it had a big part in my faith by going regularly to the church, Sunday school, BYBU, we called it, young people's. So I'm sure that had a, a big influence on my life, even though I didn't realize it at the time, probably. Mm, kind of seeds planted. But had great leaders in, in our church, teachers. Mm-hmm. And one of the best was my mother. Oh, wow. She taught the young people's Sunday school class. Wow. For years. Wow. So she was a woman who had strong faith herself. Oh, yeah. Her father was a missionary Baptist minister. Oh, that's right. In Wayne County. That's right. A little country church that grew into a pretty large church. I remember going there with you a few years ago. Yes, I've been there. (laughs) And her name was Clyde. Your mama's name was Clyde, which I think is also such a unique name. (laughs) Clyde Purcell. Clyde Purcell. Special. And was she musical? Musically inclined? No, she could not carry a (laughs) tune. What about your dad? Not really. He loved music. And my mother did too, but they were not performers. (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. That is really, really cool. Well, we'll keep going. So one lesson I've learned is that big things can happen where there is encouragement and cooperation. Getting back to Bill Rockmore, he was my devoted husband as well as my mentor. Mentors are so important. As a World War II B-26 pilot, which is uh, just still just blows my mind, he had assumed great responsibility while still a teenager. He became a citizen of Lakeland a few years after we married, became editor of the Linear County News, and turned into an outstanding community leader. He encouraged me to take part in community and civic affairs while raising our five children and working full-time. My first effort at Bill's suggestion was to organize a countywide cleanup campaign under the auspices, is that how you say it? Auspices? Auspices of the Lanier County Garden Club. County agent John Strickland and I co-chaired an organization that became known as LILA, standing for Let's Improve Lanier's Appearance, which do you remember me growing up, Grandmama, with the little note cards with the LILA face color in them? Uh And I remember, this is kind of a funny little thing, but one of my favorite pins, like business pins to write with, are the lip pins. Do you remember that? You used mm-hmm. to use them too. Do you remember those? I remember those. They are, they're just the best. <laughs> but I can remember coloring or watercolor of those Lila note cards. Mm-hmm. It's clear as day. Let's see. So, see, so John was the husband of ABAC's beloved journalism professor, Helen Strickland. We recruited a representative of each target area, such as churches, cemeteries, old abandoned cars, roadsides, schools, etc. The committee met regularly and scheduled a certain week to concentrate on each phase of the campaign. Because of the enthusiasm of the committee and profuse publicity, profuse publicity in the Lanier County News, the campaign was hugely successful and won state and national awards. Although Lila is now, well, it was 48 years old at the time, but let's see, does it say what year it is? Now it's many, many years and still going, right? Lila's still Still alive. Still alive? (laughs) That's crazy. Not very active, but she's still there. Still has a bank account. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you probably still run it, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the very small committee still meets monthly. Okay, so this is the coolest thing. So the, you founded the Milltown Murals in Lakeland, and it was initiated by Lila, who continues to grow and maintain and underwrite the murals. So maybe tell us a little bit about your experience and how you came to make Georgia uh, or Lakeland Georgia's murals city, living mural city. Well, it evolved from just a very small project into we have 41 different locations of our murals now. Over a hundred real people who were here in nineteen twenty five when the town's name was changed from Milltown to Lakeland. So all of our murals depict people and places as they were in nineteen twenty five. So my sister and I are on our real playhouse in the park here, and she was two and a half, and I was one and a half. Wow. So. <laughs> oh, that is wonderful. Uh, that's my favorite mural, for sure. <laughs> but there are many, and if you're driving through South Georgia on your way to Valdosta, or if you're anywhere 
near South Georgia, you have to come to Lakeland to see these murals. It's pretty impressive and pretty amazing. And what a great way to capture that, that spirit of time. And I know a lot of people have been blessed by, by that work that you did through the Lila, the Let's Improve Linear's uh, appearance. And the governor, Sonny Purdue, came down and gave us a proclamation naming Lakeland uh, Milltown's historic mural city. So Georgia's historic Georgia's mural city, historic. right? right. <laughs> That's amazing. So we had a little ceremony in front of the log cabin mural. Wow, that's uh, cool. That's really, really cool. So let's see. So you continue on here and it says my employment history included school teacher, clerk at the draft board, medical secretary at Moody Air Force Base and Lakeland Postmaster. We've talked about this a little bit. And after your retirement as postmaster, uh, you and granddaddy decided that you should run for city councilman. And you did. So you were the city councilman for Lakeland, right? Serving two years as chairman of the sanitation committee. <laughs> Tell me about that experience, kind of being politics, if you will. <laughs> it was very interesting. Uh, small city council and pretty much in agreement on everything, which is unusual these days. We were had a very friendly group on the council like I think there was six of us and the mayor mm. so we got a good bit done I bet you did <laughs> <laughs> and as chairman of the sanitation committee I would ride around in the sanitation truck with the driver Wow! and that was interesting too I'm sure to see it through that perspective, I'm sure most people don't get that opportunity. <laughs> but the, the sanitation uh, driver was, uh, he and I were very good buddies throughout the time I was on the city council. That's wonderful. That's so cool. So the next lesson that you talk about is, I have learned that preserving family history is extremely important, which is exactly what hopefully we're doing here today. So hopefully this fits in with one of your lessons. But you said one of the most rewarding projects of your life was compiling a family history, roots, rocks, and recollections. And that led to the compiling of a county history, Lanier County, the land and its people. These two books have proven to be well worth the 19 years that you spent working on them. That is unreal. What made you decide you wanted to start writing a book? Uh, the book? Yeah, sure. Uh, Just that very first one. Well, <laughs> and there are a lot of things that need to be in writing mm. and preserved through the years. So I just did whatever research I needed to do to gather the information that I thought we needed. And now it has been reprinted twice and updated to include the latest group of great-grandchildren. <laughs> wow. So. Two reprints. And I, and I totally agree. I think preserving that family history, I know we are really, really blessed that you did all that research and spent that much time, and not just for our family, but for 
an entire county <laughs> in the state of Georgia. So that's really, really amazing. And I think that is a, a really special lesson. Okay, I love this next one. I have learned that golf is an important sport. Bill, you said Bill and I had thought, like many non-golfers, that chasing a little white ball around for a half a day was a foolish waste of time. Bill was forced to take up the game when he started building golf courses. It was not long before he was hooked. (laughs) Soon I took up the game and we played regularly for many years. Through golf, we renewed old friendships and gained new friends who enriched the rest of your lives. And incidentally, it's a pretty good exercise if you walk a lot. Uh, which is kind of neat, Grandmama. You know, I've just started playing golf with my daughter, Lawson, which is really fun. So you are so active in golf for many years. I mean, and you said you even played like into, I mean, how old were you the last round you played probably? It was um, the last time I played was with your mother mm-hmm. at Frederica. Mm-hmm. And I could have played on for several years. But I was afraid I would injure my left arm and would not be able to play the violin anymore. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So that really decided me to give it up. And that was, what, about seven years ago? Wow. Or six. So you're 90, 91, something like that. That's pretty wild. (laughs) Yeah, probably, probably 90. And I know it's probably not in here, but you won. Valdosta's Dancing with the Stars at 94, weren't you? 94? I think that would be right. Maybe 94. That was really cool to watch her <laughs> waltz. And, and we share a love for ballroom dancing. So you have always been quite active. But I know that you used to spend every single morning, right, uh, on the treadmill for... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you say being active is... <laughs> that's what's kept you active all these years is by just continuing right. to be active. Stay in good health. Yes. So, and you have. <laughs> it's amazing. It is amazing. So, this next lesson is probably my very favorite, Grandmama, because it is just, I think it's wisdom that everybody needs to know. And it's specific to marriage. So, you said some of you in this graduating class will soon be contemplating marriage. There's a wonderful rule for a successful marriage that I learned too late to apply to my own marriage, but I urge you to make note of it. The three A's, affection, admiration, and appreciation. And then you said there are the three C's, which I learned from my son, Jim, who had taken the Dale Carnegie course as a young man and found it of great benefit in his life and career. And the three C's are don't criticize, don't condemn, and don't complain. So tell me more about that. (laughs) Well, uh, I don't remember where I picked up on the, the three A's, but it Oh, it would just make a marriage perfect if you apply those three A's, in my opinion. So affection being, you know, showing your love mm-hmm. to the other one. And and admiration, look up to him. Mm-hmm. And then appreciation. All those are important. I totally agree. I know my husband, Roger, would agree, and I've shared this with him, too, and he just, he loves it. And I love the three C's, too, the three D's. And Uncle Jim, he's an amazing business mentor to me. He is such a wise man, and he's the one that's carried the torch for the Patent Seed Company and and, uh, Superside. And 
all the wonderful business side of it. And, and I know that he has you to thank for his, you know, influence and inspiration as being an amazing mama. So you oh, might not right. admit that, but I know it's true. <laughs> oh, I've learned a lot from him and from my other children. You've got some good kids. <laughs> I love that. So two important lessons I've learned through the years are smile at people and always say thank you when it is deserved. So tell me, maybe even if you can think of a specific story about where that's maybe made a difference for you. Not really, but that should just be part of your personality to thank people, show appreciation. Thank people, show appreciation. And just smile. You're right. I think that that goes a long way to help people feel. If you'll well. smile at people, they'll smile back at you. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> that's good advice. I think people don't always don't always live by that, but I know that you did. And that's I think how you've been able to accomplish so much. It's just because you are a people person. You love love people, right? And loving and serving on them. And one of my favorite mottos that I've learned from. Close friends, Bob and Tracy Jones, they live by love God, love people. Mm. That's it. That's it. That's it. Man, if we, you know, that's the thing, Grandmama, if if everybody did that, Mm -hmm. can you imagine what a world it would be? I know. Oh, my goodness. And that's it. That's the gospel, really, in in essence, right? Wow. So this story, I remember just being so impactful because as you've listened to the podcast, you know, my I didn't, even though I grew up going to church here, kind of like you, and I had a foundation of seeds planted and, you know, had heard it a little bit, but it really wasn't until, you know, almost 10 years ago that I decided to give my life to Christ. So this story is pretty amazing. So it says, it's never too late to change your direction. I had joined the Baptist church at age 11 at a revival, along with my sister and brother and 13 others, mostly children. Brother Johnny Harrell baptized us in the southeast corner of Lake Irma, and you've gone to Sunday school and church for many years, but something was lacking in your spiritual life. Three and a half years ago, which, so at the time, let's see, you, so you were, gosh, yeah, 93. 89. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it says at age 89. You asked the Lord to come in, or I asked the Lord to come into my heart and take complete charge of my life. I wish I had done that a long time ago. You've got to tell me that story. I know you've told me again, but share with everybody how that happened. I know it was very simple, but that's all it takes, right? Right. And I don't know what the impetus was that caused me to make that decision. Uh, wasn't anything dramatic that I can describe? Just finally came to my senses. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! But you were reading the Bible, right? You were sitting there in your because you do a kind of a morning devotional, right? And you know you kind of sit down and have quiet time with the Lord. <clears throat> right. It was that time. I'm sure that something I read. I should remember the scripture. But wow. Well, you do say this here. You said you like uh, Dr. Wayne Hannah's favorite scripture. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. So maybe that could have been it. But that to me and hearing that, and not many people probably know that about you thinking, oh, wow, she grew up playing the violin every Sunday at church. But <laughs> it wasn't until 89 where you really decided to just fully 
give everything over to him, right? Mm-hmm. To the Lord. And how has that impacted your life since, would you say? Well, really greatly, but I have had so many distractions that would take almost 100% of my time, like mm-hmm. arthritis that mm-hmm. attacked me, uh, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. And it kind of gets you off your mm-hmm. thinking pattern when you got something else that seems more not it's not more urgent mm-hmm. but it seems more urgent at the time mm-hmm. so i like it here and i want to stay here as long as i can well we like having you here <laughs> so i try to do try most everything that anybody suggests that they help them or but, but anyway, it's been a big change in my life. Wow. Since I've had to defend on so many people. Mm-hmm. And uh, really for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, I'm blessed. You are blessed. And I bet that's probably what the Lord said is, listen, you know, you've been doing this thing on your own and doing an amazing job, but you can't do it without not only his help, but also the help of the people that he's put in your life to care for you. Because my the thing that inspires me so much for you, Grandmama, is knowing that you were such a devoted wife and mother, still serving your town and community and, you know, working hard, but you kind of stayed behind the scenes. And when granddaddy passed away, which I know is not easy, but you took what would be a hard time and could be debilitating, but you just soared and you just took off and you got so much done and just made such an impact. And I've never seen anybody who could dive people into action, but yet doing it from a place of love and heart. And just the mere fact that all 60 something of us would come down here happily at the drop of a hat to come spend time together. I think that speaks volumes to drive okay. them all over the Southeast to come be together. So grateful for that. Family has stayed on good terms with each other. We have a pretty amazing family. And really do. Yeah. I know every bit of that is that generational blessing that sounds like it's stemmed even from your parents and from your mama. And her dad would be so proud and is, I'm sure, so proud looking down from heaven at what you have been able to multiply here. (laughs) I was blessed to be able to know my grandparents on both sides, my mother's and my father's. Oh, that's great. No, not my father's because his mother died when he was two years old. Oh, really? So I didn't know her, but then granddaddy Married again, and Pata was our real grandmother, the only one we knew. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. Well, I love that you ended your speech, the commencement speech, with your testimony and sharing that. And I think that that's probably one of the most impactful pieces of wisdom and life lessons that graduates learned. And then, of course, what all anybody that's listening today can learn is that it's never too late to change that direction and to shift, especially if that is a decision to put your life in the hands of the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing. It just 
meant so much to me in decision making. Is this what I should do? <laughs> Ask the Lord to guide me. Mm. And it makes a lot of difference when you depend on a reliable source. <laughs> anyway, that I love that motto, love God, love people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's the best advice that you could give for life. What about for business? Is there a piece of wisdom or business advice that you could share with the people who are listening? Well, one thing Bill believed in, don't spend money for things, for things that you don't have the money to Mm. pay for. Mm -hmm. Don't buy things that you don't have the money to pay for. Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good advice. And then patent seed has a reputation of being perfectly dependable about deliveries and they do what they're committed to do. And that's important. What a great. So do what you say you're going to do. Right. And be dependable and consistent. And that's what's built that reputation. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty impactful that even that not only the family, but the company itself is debt free by all standards. I'm sure any specific debt is more of a strategic thing, not a lack of capital or cash. And that's exactly how it's been built from the beginning. And that has been, I would say, probably one of the greatest blessings that I've had to learn in my journey as a businesswoman is that principle that I wish that I had really implemented more in my early years. But now I'm just so thankful that I have that solid principle of not spending money that you don't have. And uh, and you have done such a good job as a business lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're so sweet. I'm not kidding. You have been my inspiration, actually, from the beginning. So really the only reason that I was able to start my traditional business, the boutique, right out of college is because you and granddaddy so generously incentivized or motivated us, your grandchildren, to go to college. And you said if we graduated from a four-year college, right, that you would give us a little bit of money to contribute towards buying a car or a new house. And I was driving the same car from high school, and I wasn't about to get married, didn't need a house. And I said, Grandmama, would it be okay if I use that money to start a business? <laughs> and I think you might have been one of the only people that thought it might actually do <laughs> something might actually come of it. But you were so generous to number one, do that incentive or motivate us to make that choice to finish college and pursue our passions. But then, like I said, that's how I got started was with that generosity that you guys gave to us. So first of all, thank you. And second of all, I'd love to know what was going through ears and granddaddy's heart to want to do that. I listened to his ideas because <laughs> they usually were valid. And those were some of his ideas, the motivation for finishing college. Well, anyway. So granddaddy was a very wise man. I know that. Oh, yes. And he thought that it was a good idea to go to college. And so he wanted that for us. Right. And you went to college, too. You went to what is now Valdez State University, right? Uh-huh. Which, what was it back then? The Georgia? Georgia State Women's College. Georgia State Women's College. About 300 students then. Wow. And what was your major? Violin. Violin. That's right. And minored in Spanish. Spanish? Do you speak Spanish? 
Not really. <laughs> Did you then? Well, I've I studied it. I was never fluent in it, but oh wow, I've enjoyed having studied it because of travels and all. It's been been helpful. I'm sure. Well, that's the other thing that you've instilled within me and our family is your love for travel. So you and granddaddy have been all over the world and, and in Europe. And it's kind of funny when I think about these specific to the network marketing industry, which a lot of people listen in will be in the same industry that I am or in business of some sort, quite possibly. And I think that the principle of that motivating or incentivizing people to do the results that you want. <laughs> so you guys wanted us to go to college and have that purpose. And so I love that. But then I also love that from a a networking perspective, you and granddaddy had friends all over the world, right? (laughs) You did. I know you did. In fact, I'll never forget when I went to college or right up, not college. It was in between high school and college. And I took a school trip over to England and France. You remember this? And I stayed with Patrick, your friend, Patrick and his daughter, Flavie, who feels she's like a sister to me. She's <laughs> she's an interior designer in Paris, and we both have two kids. Hers are two boys now, but I never would have met them if you and Granddaddy hadn't struck up a conversation at a. Was it where were you? Tell me about that. At um, caves, and they say it's just the kayak. Not, the famous cave paintings. Oh, okay. But we were on that same tour. And Patrick and his wife. So I asked the guy if he spoke English, and he said no. But anyway, Patrick thought he was rude. Hmm. So he stepped over there and said, I'll translate for you. Wow. So So you struck up a conversation. He stepped in to help and serve you and showed you that kindness, like Mm -hmm. you said. Smiled, and then y'all struck up a long-time friendship, and right? then that evening, learned we were staying at the same hotel. And I guess it was George and Connor Thompson with us. But we were up on a kind of a mezzanine, having our five o'clock cocktail. <laughs> and who would walk up the stairs but Patrick? Oh, my goodness. So it was meant for us to become friends. Oh, my goodness. So we had dinner with him that night at the hotel. <laughs> and it was a long date. And some Canadian students who, of course, spoke French and English. But they were so amused at our conversation. <laughs> Patrick was practicing his English, and I was trying to learn a little more French. <laughs> So anyway, we kept running into those Canadian students. They'd have a smile on their face. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. It's a small world, even if you're across the world, right? (laughs) And I just love that you and Granddaddy had that spirit to connect with other people and stay in touch. And I know, like I said, I've been blessed from those relationships because did you ever imagine that I would be going to his daughter's wedding in the south of France? I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty crazy. That was a really amazing trip with my mama back there. And we certainly inherited your love for travel. That's for sure. What's your favorite place you've ever been in the world? Actually, Italy is my favorite. Oh, really? Which city, if you had to pick? There's so much that I like about it. I like the country and... Mm. 
Venice, I love. <laughs> and so many, so much history there that really appeals to. I love the music there and the language. So really, overall, that's and beauty of the country, such beautiful scenes. I have not yet been to that lake country, but I'll have to go back. Mom and I had a quick little trip to Italy and then another cruise back in the day, too, on that other side. We did go to Venice, and that was beautiful. Yeah, you love that Lake Como. We went there several times in that area. And uh, anyway, later, I don't know if I can bring the story up, but later, two of the grandchildren, must have been Jay, I can't remember, but we went back to the hotel where Bill and I had stayed. Oh, wow. And the, I don't know what his title was, but he was kind of a host there. And so I explained to him that those were my grandchildren. And I think they had, I don't remember, but anyway. Did he remember you? Oh, or no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> But you were just introducing yourself to everybody. I know that you've always <laughs> been that. You never met a stranger, right? Well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I said they were babies when I was there before. And he said, you know, my big Jay is big bambinos. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh my goodness. Or something to that effect. That's amazing. You can remember that. <laughs> that it's really, really special. We had a lot of fun with the languages. And can you speak French a little bit or Italian? Learn key words that you really need to know. Look them up as you need them. Mm-hmm. Well, not as easy to do back then as it is now with <laughs> smartphones and everything. I wish we could go back to Europe together. I wish that I could have seen some of those things with you. <laughs> but French pronunciation is so hard to understand. It is. It's one of my life goals is to learn to speak French. Because our ancestry is French, uh-huh. right? The Rockmore granddaddy's uh-huh. side came from that. And so I feel uh-huh. like there's something that is just within me that I'm drawn to that French culture and French spirit. And Good. Maybe one day. I'll learn to speak French, but I'll certainly be back. I can't wait to go. And I'll have to go to those caves. I don't think I've ever been to those caves either. So that I think it's spelled L-E-F, another word, E-U-Y-Z-I-E-F. They're famous cave paintings. Cave paintings. Ancient, really, really. Wow. I'll go back there. Anyway. And, of course, Patrick and his family had been over here to visit us. And the first time Patrick came, he brought Caroline. She was 11. And I was a little bit nervous about hosting an 11-year-old. Oh, I bet. I bet. A random child. She spent the night. At your mother's house, I knew them. Slept in the bed with you, didn't you? I think so. Mm-hmm. That would have been an interesting conversation to take. I know. I don't remember it either. <laughs> I think it, would, it had to be you. I think so. I think she was little. But anyway. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> well, Grandmama, looking back over 
your 97 years. I love that you've shared already. I have documented these important lessons and I can actually share them in the show notes. I can kind of copy this and put it in the show notes for anybody that wants to see these lessons or copy and paste and print them. I'll be able to do that. But are there any other lessons or any other stories that you can think of that you would want to share on a platform like this? Well, so many things that happened in in my lifetime. Do podcasts stay on forever? Forever. Really? Yes, ma'am. All of them? Yes, unless somebody deletes them, which I don't plan on doing. So, <laughs> Well, the last several years, we've had World War II reenactors come. Oh, wow. To Lakeland? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. To Camp Patton, really sweat. And they put on a demonstration of battle. Bob's been in one or two or three. But anyway, I got acquainted with one of the, I don't remember what his title was, but he was doing a podcast of the event out there. But anyway, somehow I got acquainted with him and told him about Bill's experience in the war and all. And so I went out and got him a root rocks and regulations so he could read about. So I gave him that. And then he asked me a few questions about what I remembered about Pearl Harbor, where Mm -hmm. I was when I heard that kind of thing. And I heard the podcast once, but I never have tried to retrieve it again, but you think it might be? Oh, yes, ma'am. I'll find it. We'll figure it out. We'll get down to the bottom of it, and I'll link that here, uh, too. Anyway, World War II reenactment at Lakeland, Georgia, Mike would bring it up. Sure. But he was fascinated to run across somebody who was living when all those historic <laughs> things took place. Wow. That's a neat story. And again, how cool that he's pursuing his passion and talking to you and asking great questions and leaving an impact on you, right? Well, really, it was about about what I had experienced. Mm -hmm. And you remember it pretty clearly still? Yeah, I remember where I was when Pearl Harbor happened. I was in college. You were in college, wow. And I never heard of Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) they're nice, friendly people. Oh, and that they had a dance that night at the Three Center. Oh, really? And Jitterbug, I think it was a Jitterbug contest. Oh, wow. Some of the girls with the reenactors, Jitterbug dance, dance with boys. And then Dr. Ballon is real, and his wife, real good Jitterbugs, swing, call it that. Mm hmm. So anyway, I went back there and told them to get out there and did a book. So he came and got me to dance. Oh, my goodness. Oh, of course he did. You can dance. (laughs) Well, she's really good. Well, still. So we had a good dance. I think our picture was in the paper. I'm not sure. It was fun. That's amazing. Well, I have to say one of my favorite memories or many of my favorite memories, I should say, is the 
dance, the ballroom dance birthday balls, as we call them, we call it the ball every year to celebrate your birthday in March here in Lakeland. And it started off just right here in your home with just our family. And as our family grew, and then we started inviting the town. And for over 20 years, we have celebrated together dancing and all the things that you love and to celebrate you. And that memory, all of those memories, they're just so special. So what made you decide to start doing that or want to do that? Let you do the what? What made you decide to start doing the birthday ball? Oh, let me see. Or we probably did it to celebrate you. <laughs> and then it just kept going. Well, Lee was always like dancing. Mm-hmm. And she has a lot of good ideas, too. So it's mm-hmm. probably her idea, but I'm not sure. But it was fun. I like the memories of how it started. Mm-hmm. And the band, same band all those years, mm-hmm. but the band being up on the landing up there. Mm-hmm. In this house. <laughs> 20, and they said over 20 years they did it every year. That's really good. Except, except one year this year. Yeah, well, of course, that's right. Dang COVID. <laughs> what I remember, this was kind of funny, is if we didn't have a date or somebody we were dating, You'd set us up with somebody. Do you remember that? Yes. (laughs) And actually, when Roger and I were first started dating, we started dating in February of, I guess it was 2002. And that year, I already had a date lined up. I cannot remember his name, but it was funny because I was dating Roger and we fell in love pretty quickly. And then I got here. He was my date because it was already arranged. And he said, thankfully, he had a girlfriend too. So... (laughs) Yeah, do you so, remember who that was? So he had a girlfriend. He did. He that did. he invited. He didn't invite her because he knew, we all knew, if Grandmama, if you said we were going to be here and so-and-so was going to be our date, that that was just, like, we were just going to do it. <laughs> yes. We weren't about to cross you in that decision or switch up the plan. <laughs> I was not aware of all that. No, we probably wouldn't have made you aware, but. That's the amazing thing is what you've been able to accomplish and the people that you've been able to motivate and inspire, but not by leading with an iron fist. It truly is by leading with love and leading with heart and just being that example and that light to all of us. One of my favorite tools, business tools to help set goals is a book that's from Cultivate What Matters and it's called Power Sheets. And it's really just an intentional goal setter where I kind of take a deep dive and assess the areas of my life and where I want to be, not just this year, but where I want to be when I'm 90. Uh And it's pretty cool because what I write down in that power sheets is that you are what (laughs) what I want to be when I'm 90 and certainly when I'm 97. And I always say that my other grandmother, Mary was her name, of course, and y'all were friends, same age, right? And you two together, Uh you represent the lady that I hope to be, that I hope to exemplify. And I love that y'all are friends. And, you know, we made a trip to the bomb group reunion out in Texas with them. Oh, wow. You don't remember that? I don't remember that. I must have been really little. Well, it was after y'all, Lee and Joey married. Okay. And we went to several of those bomb group reunions. And I think. O.J. was maybe in that same group, 387. But anyway, the four of us flew out there 
Wow. Enjoyed that. Oh, that's actually, I have those pictures. I think I know those pictures. And that was, I think I was very young, but I have a picture framed of the two of y'all. I'm pretty sure it was at the side farm in Perry, but it's a picture of the two of y'all. You're dressed up for something. Not a formal event, but you look like you were going somewhere anyway. But that picture is so cherished to me because it represents just both both of families. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both families and that generational mm-hmm. blessing from, from both sides. Now, her side was very small. <laughs> just my dad and just my brother and I. And of course, on your side, you know, it's much bigger. But that's the cool thing is just the blessings from yeah. both and the personalities and the fact that y'all were friends and traveled together. That's really, really cool. They were good. Traveling companions. OJ did something, something about the plane needed a little adjustment or something. Oh, and OJ knew my how grand, to do my it. My other granddad, he was brilliant as kind of like an engineer. He wasn't technically an engineer, but he could have been because he could take anything apart and he could fix anything. And that's what he spent <laughs> a lot of his day and time doing it. I believe he was a tail gunner on similar plane. Oh, so what granddaddy flew, right? Yeah, I'd forgotten what his role was, but tail gun. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So that's pretty neat that they shared that experience in the war, both veterans. And, of course, Bill, my cousin, another veteran. And your grandkids have done some pretty amazing things. (laughs) Followed that journey. They really have. It's pretty cool. Well, I know that we all, again, are, we want to know exactly these lessons of wisdom when we are 97 to be able to look back and know what's most important. And I love that we've got this documented, not only written and from your speech from the commencement at oh. ABAC, but it's just so neat to be able to talk through it with you and to share some of these stories. And and to uh, have access to it when you can still do something about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're right. It's never too late to change directions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, any other parting advice that you want to leave us with today? Well, not that I can think of. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you've shared enough, and that's what's amazing. It's just the fact that those life lessons, they are so simple. But Mm -hmm. if that's what people focused on, the love God, love people, put your faith in Him. Don't try to do it on your own Mm -hmm. and accept the help and love of others, but show that service and smile and (laughs) just pass on the wisdom of others that you've known that you've learned from absolutely i think that's really what we're called to do and that's the point of this podcast is all of these blessings i know from our family and that came from your ancestors and that will continue forward long Mm -hmm. after we are gone all of us are gone they come from the lord and our role is to just be a light to point that back to him. And you have done that beautifully for all of your 97 years. But <laughs> oh, thank you. So it's just, it's an honor to be able to share your beautiful voice and your beautiful heart with everybody. And I know so many people are going to be so blessed and touched by this. So thank you. Thank you. And I've loved every bit of talking with you. <laughs> well, love you, Grandmama. Love you. You'll have to come back and spend another Wow, with me when we talk. I would love that. I would love that. Anytime. <laughs> I'll be right here. You'll be right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you're going to get back up on that treadmill, and you're going to come see our new kitchen up in Richmond Hill. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got that trip planned. Yeah, we've got that. It's going to have something to look forward to, right? Mm-hmm. 
That's probably a good thing. Pam's always wanted to take me somewhere. Okay. And uh, she loves to drive. Mm-hmm. So the trip we have planned probably take at least a week. Yeah, I think that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> well, I love you, Grandmama. Thank you again for today. Love you so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank y'all for listening. We're just so grateful to have Gigi in my life, and I hope that her words have impacted you as much as they have to me. And what a blessing. I hope y'all enjoyed this episode and make sure to share with a friend. I'd also be forever grateful if you'd be willing to leave me a review over on iTunes. And don't forget to check out heatherkburge.com for lots more info. Have a great week.